Welcome to 1869, the Cornell University Press podcast. I'm Jonathan Hall. This episode is the first in a special series of audio excerpts from our new book, Professor at Large, The Cornell Years, by the beloved comedian, actor, producer, and director, John Cleese. For nearly 20 years, Cleese has held an official position as professor at large at Cornell University and has led many talks and lectures on campus on everything from script writing to psychology, religion to hotel management, and wine to medicine. Cleese is best known for his work on Monty Python's Flying Circus and Faulty Towers, as well as numerous other on-screen performances, including as Q in the James Bond franchise and Nearly Headless Nick in the Harry Potter movies. He holds an MA in Law from Cambridge University and an honorary LLD from St. Andrews University, where he was rector for several years. The following audio excerpt is featured in the final chapter of the new book, a spirited conversation in 2017 between John Cleese and Cornell University Press Director Dean Smith in front of a live audience at Cornell University's Bailey Hall. There's a dead bishop on the landing. There's a dead bishop on the landing? What was its diocese? I haven't got a clue. Well, it's tattooed on the back of his neck. <laughs> we said that today at lunchtime. He suddenly surprised me with that line, which I hadn't remembered for 30 years, and we both fell about, and I thought it was a good starting point today because sometimes very, very silly things have the ability to touch us deeply, like a grasshopper hops into a bar, barman sees him hop, grasshopper jumps up onto the stool, barman says, oh, we've got a, we've got a drink named after you, and the grasshopper says, what, Norman? <laughs> That's a sort of silly joke that you laugh at and then you sort of laugh at it again for some reason. I love that. It's like in the life of Brian. Do you remember when, when, when uh, he starts saying you've all got to think as individuals and they all say, yes, we all got to think. <laughs> And he says, you, all, you are all individuals. And they say, yes, we are all individuals. And then one man says, I'm not. <laughs> it doesn't mean anything, but it, it just makes you go on laughing. And I love that kind of thing. But you don't get that with more clever, clever or cerebral jokes. You know, you just get it with silly ones like bishops with their diocese tattooed on the back of their neck. What are we going to talk about? So, <laughs> so the pantomime elephant in the room really is Monty Python. Monty Python, yeah. 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 It's funny how it, it's more loved here in the United States than it is anywhere. You know? um, if I go, for example, to Scandinavia uh, or Australia or Britain, they're all on about 40 towers. But here, Monty Python had some effect. You know what I mean? It, it, it touched people at a very deep level, and it's so many Americans have come up to me and said, you got me through my exams at college. <laughs> you know, 
Friday night, they used to sit down and have a good laugh and decide that life was worth living after all. <laughs> and that's very touching because there's no way we knew, you know? There's no way we, when you do something, when we were sitting in a room uh, reading out things that we'd written in the previous week and we started to laugh, it was the first sign that we thought maybe it was funny. <laughs> you know? And when, I, uh, when Michael Palin and I were standing in the wings just before we recorded the very first show, and it started with a sketch about a sheep that had, was trying to teach the other sheep to fly <laughs> because they knew what their ultimate fate was. And I said to Michael, just before Graham Chapman and Terry Jones started the sketch, I said, you, you know, Michael, this could be the first time in history where people have recorded an entire comedy show to complete silence. <laughs> and Michael said, I was having the same thought. <laughs> so it was, it was that, it felt that dangerous to us, you know? Was there one of them when they laughed, you knew you had something? Yeah, when that sketch went on, Michael and I listened to it, and, so, and, they, and we thought, are they going to think it's funny? Flying sheep, you know? And then there was a giggle, and then there was a bigger giggle, and then there was something approaching a laugh, and then there was <laughs> a real laugh, and I remember thinking, I think we're going to be all right. <laughs> That's how little you know about what's happening to what you do. And, and, and people will sometimes, certain lines will, will become, well, well, you'd say become viral these days, but certain lines become viral and other lines that you love, no one ever notices or repeats, you know? Like pining for the fjords. Pining for the fjords is where everybody remembers that. But the, the chocolate box sketch, you know, when he, when he goes to the Wizzo chocolate uh, factory, the, the, the health inspector and asks about these disgusting uh, chocolates, and eventually he, he picks a chocolate out of the box. He says, and what, what is this one, spring surprise? <laughs> and the man said, well, he said, when you bite into the chocolate, two sharp springs <laughs> spring out like that. <laughs> and lacerate your cheeks. <laughs> the health inspector says, where's the pleasure in that? <laughs> I always thought it was a really funny line. Where's the pleasure in that? I want to say it to mountaineers, you know? I say, where is the pleasure in that? <laughs> but no one else ever picked up on that line. Whereas the silly walks, which I never thought was particularly funny, I really didn't. I never, it never really appealed to me. Isn't that funny? And then everyone, again, everyone wants that. At my age, at 78, they still say, will you do your silly walk? I think it's the one where the both legs fly up backwards. Is a good yeah, one. that's right. <laughs> well, I, I now have um, a totally artificial knee and two artificial hips. So my, I can do a geriatric version of it, but <laughs> it hardly involves any movement. <laughs> so 
Talk about why in America the Holy Grail is more popular than Life of Brian. Yes, that's very strange because in England, uh, there's no question they like Life of Brian better, and here it's always been Holy Grail. Um, there was a BBC poll about two weeks ago, which I was rather pleased to see. They literally, uh, I think they asked an enormous number of good, well-established critics from a lot of good countries to, 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 to list the favorite movies. Uh, number one is still Some Like It Hot, <laughs> which is really interesting. It's a great movie. Number four is Groundhog Day, which is one of my, <laughs> one of my favorites, and I'm seeing the musical on Sunday, which oh, I'm really yeah. looking forward to. But we had Life of Brian at, at number uh, six and uh, Holy Grail at number 15, which is not bad, you know. And then further down the list, because I'm a little dubious about these pool polls, you know, further down the list is a fellow called Charlie Chaplin, you know. That was John Cleese with Cornell University Press Director Dean Smith. As a loyal listener to the podcast, we would like to offer you a special 30% discount to purchase John Cleese's new book, Professor at Large. Please visit us at cornellpress.cornell.edu and use the promotion code 09POD at checkout. Thank you for listening to 1869, the Cornell University Press Podcast. <laughs>